0: A Hero's Journey is, by its nature, a podcast filled with spoilers. We recommend reading the book beforehand and then diving into the episode, but proceed at your own risk. Hi, and welcome to A Hero's Journey literary podcast i'm your host and judge jack and this boy is here with his horses this is alex and i'm zach each week we look at a new book through joseph campbell's monomyth
1: this week on a hero's journey we're discussing the horse and his boy the fifth book in the chronicles of narnia by c.s lewis this book mostly follows shasta along the way he meets up with arvis a noble woman from Cameroon who travels with him to escape a marriage to an older man, uh, and when another talking horse similar to Bree trying to escape back to Narnia. During their travels, Shasta briefly meets Prince Edmund and Susan of Narnia, as well as Prince Corin, the crown prince of Archenland. The group discovers that there is going to be an invasion of Arkanland to control it and eventually to invade into Narnia and race to warn the kings about this invasion. Shasta is eventually able to go to the Green Hermit who sends him on to warn the king of Arkanland about the coming invasion. Shasta then is able to travel into Narnia and warn King Edmund who comes to the rescue of Arkanland. Shasta is named the crown prince as he is the long lost son of the king and eventually comes to rule in Arkenland, marrying Arvis once he takes the throne.
0: And let us start with the day that every boy becomes a man when he finds that his father is going to sell him in our departure.
1: So, like Jack said, Shasta's call to adventure here, and Shasta is going to be the one we are following, is hearing his father discuss his sale into slavery. And this is the call to adventure for Shasta's journey to deliver a warning to Arkanland that they are going to be invaded. For a refusal of the call, Shasta spends some time thinking that the Tarkin, the one who's going to buy him, might be a good master, as if that even exists. For a meeting of the mentor, we can look to breed the talking horse, who instructs Shasta about Narnia and aids him um, immediately in getting away from the Tarkin and his father, and escaping and traveling towards Narnia. For a crossing of the threshold, I think we can look to the meeting with Arvis and Huin, the other talking horse. This is crossing the threshold because of the danger uh, that is seen by the lions chasing them, bringing Arbus and Huan together. And then, further danger when they are uh, not together, and Shasta realizes that Arbus is a Tarkina, one of the noble women of their country. For a belly of the whale, uh, we have them entering the city, the capital city of Carmelone. And I think this is a belly of the whale, because at this point, Shasta can't really go home. He never had a chance to go home anyway, but he really can't make a life for himself in Carmelon, someplace else now. Now that they're in the city, he has promised to join up with Arvis, Bree, and Huen after crossing the city. Um, So he has a promise that he won't stay wherever he is.
2: All right, so your call I think is as much as our character is going to reasonably achieve in the story, I think he he ends up a a little bit more than what you're hoping to achieve, but uh, it it comes kind of in our time jump. Um, For the call to adventure, it is a change to his circumstance, but I don't know if he... And I guess I can't really use this because there's plenty of instances where the hero is unaware, but. He seems so far away from any information or even desire for Ark and Land specifically that um, I find it hard that this like subservience is what uh, the kind of journey he thinks he's going to put himself on.
1: Well, it's a spur towards freedom, right? He's. Shasta is not technically a slave when he's living with his father,
0: father in quotes, but he is a slave, like. Well, he doesn't think he's a slave in air quotes, but he actually is. He was, he's, well, I guess he's more of a hostage, but.
1: Yes, there's no functional difference between what was going on with Shasta and slavery. So I think the spirit towards freedom is important and Arkenland is one of the free cities. So sparring him onto freedom and then eventually to save Arkenland, one of the free countries is a culture venture.
2: Yeah, and I could, I could see that freedom as being um, the first step of many to get to this goal that you've uh, outlined. For a refusal to call, I don't know if this sort of beginnings of a uh, Stockholm Syndrome uh, that don't really, aren't able to manifest as being a refusal per se. I think it's just more of a coping mechanism. Um, more than it is anything. I don't think he's actually, um, you know, excited about this. Even if he was able to convince himself that, it's just that he hasn't had a life that allows him to consider fleeing as a viable alternative. Right? He's he's never been able to to flee and leave. So why would now be any different? And it's not until the uh, increase of information uh, from the talking Narnia horse that uh, he even considers it. So I don't really see it as a refusal yet because he didn't have an option. If he learns this information and still goes, you know what? I'm willing to give it a shot. You know, I can always flee later. Then that's more of a refusal of the call. This is just more of a self-musing to allow the author to let the horse to then provide an alternative.
1: You know, the quote from him some slaves in a great lord's house have next to nothing to do. They wear lovely clothes and eat meat every day.
0: Zach, I think I have to agree with Alex. It isn't really until Bree opens his mouth that Shasta goes, wait, not being a slave is an option?
1: Uh, and can we just acknowledge that the very uh, poor undertones here, not even like undertones just overtones of slavery being potentially a good thing um it's it's clearly not
0: yeah i'm just i'm inclined to agree with alex zach it's hard for it might be hard for me to you might have a a point in terms of book structure but it's hard for me to get over the desire to be free and not thinking of well maybe he'll one day free me if i'm a real good slave and he'll love me and make me his son as anything other than a refusal
2: Okay. So for our meeting, the mentor, I don't really have a problem with Bree per se. Um, I think that later on in the book, like he certainly opens a lot of doors uh, for Shasta. uh, And I think that's why he fits as the mentor here. But I think he starts to fall short in a way that we don't always see our mentors uh, doing so later in the book. Sometimes they become irrelevant, but later in the book, he's not actively negative to the, to the goal, but uh, as close to it as, as you're probably likely to get. He's very apathetic towards the end and, and requires some um, godly intervention in order to become useful once again. But I think for now, he's, he's a fine enough mentor.
1: Uh, yeah, I think, Zach, one of the interesting things about Brie, you know how sometimes we have our mentors introduce and then leave Bree doesn't leave, but like you said, he regresses from that mentor role to uh, a lot of self-doubt. And obviously, I think he does fit the mentor role.
2: Yeah, there's a, quite a bit of info dump and the, like, the ability to actually flee him from the scene. Um, I think we do enough. For a Crossing the Threshold, uh, the danger of the Lions is a fake danger. Have we talked about how the danger for some of the heroes is non-existent besides in their own heads? Um, for Narnia, yes, we have.
0: Because everything is secretly very safe in Narnia.
2: I mean, there's wars and people die. Yeah, but never any of our main characters. That's fair. Um, Arvis and Gwyn are... Uh, I guess... I would call them heroes two point and mentor two point I think you could try to frame the whole journey around them, except we just happen to start the book with and I think actually her journey before meeting Shasta is far more interesting than Shasta's before meeting her. Mm-hmm. But uh I think yes, once they've uh added into a baiting, uh aiding and abetting. Is it a- aiding and abetting? Is that a- aiding and abetting. Yeah. Um, a runaway noblewoman. Yeah, once they've added aiding ab- and abetting a runaway noblewoman to their uh, list of crimes, um, they've certainly crossed a threshold uh, into the journey proper and not just, oh, maybe we'll kind of luck into this being a boring trip to the land of the free. Uh, <laughs> Zach, it, I think you're, but, you're very right about
1: Arvis. She's an interesting character, but we just don't spend enough time in her head, right? Like, it's it's Shasta's book much more than hers but I think she is interesting especially that first bit leaving um on her own
2: okay and then finally for your belly of the whale the entering into the um entering the Tashban it certainly provides um that oh no uh we're in a new place but I don't think it was fair of you to say he can't go home now. You've mentioned specifically at this point, because he can't go home, like you said, at any point. So um, didn't his belly really happen when he stole a nobleman's horse and and fleed his his sail?
1: Um, I mean,
2: I guess. <laughs> like I if, it's that- the, if it's the point of no return, it's... He's had two or three before he gets to that city, and it just happens to be that this is the point of return that happens after the crossing that you've chosen. So
1: I think that's true. Um, I mean, there's not really a chance for Shasta to go back to his home, but I think he could have maybe just decided, I don't need to go to Narnia. I can just live uh, here somewhere. Possibly. Maybe not.
0: Jackson? i'm willing to accept it it's i well i kind of we generally let narnia play it by its own rules and well i agree with zach that running away from slavery probably does mean that you couldn't go home All right he could before this have abandoned his quest and maybe just ridden with brie off into the sunset early and this could have been a two-chapter book that's going to close us on our departure with a perfect five out of five. Uh, Narnia is shaping up to be heroic as always. Almost like, you know, somebody is playing with the background strings to create heroic moments. And they're either Aslan or C.S. Lewis, depending. Coming into our initiation, we are met with that classic trio of tombs, deserts, and hermits for our road of trials. Take it away, Alex.
1: So, I think Shasta's Road of Trials is, funnily enough, an actual road. So after entering the city, Shasta becomes separated from the group and must travel to the tombs to meet up with them and spend the night there. Then the group has to cross the desert, uh, and they see the prince Rabidash. Of, um, they see the prince Rabidash and his band crossing the desert too which shows that they have to speed along their way. Um, And during this crossing the desert, Shasta and Arbus struggle to find out how they fit uh, in a group. And their final leg of the journey is going along the river to the Green Hermit. And in this, they struggle to keep pace, right? They're, They're trying to race against Prince Rabidash, so they have to keep going at a fast pace. Uh, And Shasta and Arvis during this become a little bit more uh, friendly with each other, a little bit more understanding, although neither of them realize what's happening until later. So during all of these trials, Shasta is trying to overcome his fear at the tombs, learn how to work in a group with crossing the desert, and then along the river, um, again, we're learning how to work in a group to deliver the warning to King Loon. For a meeting of the higher power, I think we can look to, uh, oddly enough, Shasta, or Kor, as we later come to know him, um, his twin, Prince Korin. Prince Korin helps Shasta get out of the Narnian compound uh, in the capital city and go to the tombs and provides him some information and uh, aid, giving him a little bit of food for this journey. For the Temptress, I think this is again, uh, pretty mm, what do I want to say? Um, so for the Temptress, I think it's pretty obscure. I think it's despair, thinking that he can't reach Arkanland in time. Mm-hmm. During the journey, especially crossing the desert, when they see the dust cloud of Prince Rabadash, Shasta and the others think, oh, we, we are not going to be able to go in time. We can't go fast enough. Um, we're struggling. And it's, again, it's um, a sign of, like, losing faith. Uh, despite not really knowing about Aslan, they're, they're losing faith, and that's typically the temptress in Narnia books. For Atonement with a Creator... Um, We have to do a little bit of a time skip here because Aslan is, of course, the creator. But the atonement that I'm saying happens after what I think the ultimate boon is. Uh, This is where Aslan speaks to Shasta and Narnia and reveals everything to Shasta about how he guided events um, and who Shasta is. So he tells Shasta that he was the one to push him to shore. He was the lions that guided him. And he was the lion that spurred um, Bree and Arvis and Huen that that little bit faster, so Shasta would be able to deliver his warning. For the apotheosis, for the apotheosis, I think this is when Shasta realizes that he just needs to keep running to go meet the king and deliver his warning. The green man tells him, you have to keep running, and then Shasta does it, realizes that he runs into the king uh, to deliver his warning. And for the ultimate boon, we have Shasta delivering the warning to King Loon, who is able to go and prepare Arkanland for siege by Prince Rabidash.
2: For the road trials, I think that these three are fine, they are all experiences, but I don't know if they necessarily develop his character very much, especially the second and the third. Um, the third specifically being that his interaction is just the addition of a new mentor-like figure, and it doesn't really add to his, you know, to his character, his morality, to his uh, power level. It just is another experience that he has on the way to doing the thing. But I don't think that it particularly changes him. And I said second and third, where I meant first and third. I think the tombs are similar. The crossing the desert, I think, is enough of a hardship that you could say it it changes somebody, especially when you see the army on the horizon. It's sort of like a... uh, a rededication to the cause, but I don't see the other two changing much in Shasta's demeanor, personality, or power level.
1: Well, I disagree about the tombs. uh, For one, this is where Shasta is alone, and he is struggling to overcome his fear, right? He hears the hyenas or jackals, uh, I don't remember which, and he's afraid of them, but he stays... Right? He stays there to wait for the rest of his group. He's showing loyalty to the rest of the group. and then It the does help that Aslan
0: is actively protecting him at the time.
1: Yeah, but he doesn't know that. For the third trial, I think at the end of this, when they're being chased by Aslan, and Shasta, again, does not know who Aslan is, doesn't understand that Aslan is not intending to harm them, but he jumps off of Bree to go try and fight Aslan to protect Arvis and win. So I think that that is definitely a showing of his character, his bravery uh, and willingness to stand up where he will most assuredly fail if the lion was actually trying to hurt them.
2: Is this a departure from the character that we've known? Like, would it, That would make it a, a, a change in a meaningful way?
1: We don't see that kind of bravery in Shasta before this point.
2: No, we don't. doesn't mean it's not fair, but we haven't seen it, right?
0: No, I'm willing to accept them.
2: Yeah, I think this little meeting of the brothers before they even know that they're brothers is cool. It certainly allows them to then call back to it later when they see each other again um, as them not just being newly introduced characters. The food and the aid out of the city, I think, is enough to have proven him useful. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's interesting that ultimately by the end of the story, he is far and above, well, not far and above, but he is put above uh, Corrin on a power level structure uh, to everybody's, well, to everybody but Corrin's happiness. But I think he he fulfills the bare minimum that I would expect a a higher power to do in this scenario, so I'm fine with it. Uh, the temptation, on the other hand, it seems a little contrived. Um, they, if, it, if they had, let's say, if they'd taken this a step further and stopped somewhere and, and just said, you know, I'm done, if, if it was only for a day or two, you know, then it would have been a little bit more. But they're continuing to plod on even in the, in the face of um, uh, of great odds, right? Great, great odds against them that uh, that doesn't make it too much of a temptation, I believe.
1: I mean, they can't really stop. There's no time to stop. But even with their continuing journey, they still don't think that they're going to be able to reach Arcland in time. In fact, Shasta is like, I don't know, like minutes away from being too late.
0: It's yeah. hard to really tell. But does he ever does he ever go, oh there's no point, we're not gonna make it, let's just go to yeah. Narnia instead? Not that I remember.
2: It comes off more as
0: it's definitely concern.
2: It comes up for, for concern that we won't complete, not oh, we won't complete what's the point.
0: Yeah, he doesn't he doesn't seem to have any doubt about whether or not they should keep trying. He kinda kinda goku's it, right? He goes, We'll never get there in time and then continues running. I guess that's not Goku, that's more Naruto. But...
1: <laughs> okay, I I guess I can see that. That um, that makes sense to me.
2: Yeah, but doesn't our Autonomous Creator have to come before our boon?
0: Uh, I don't know, does the center point of, can the center point of the journey come after the boon?
2: I would propose no.
1: So, I think this is my fault, because of the ultimate boon that I chose, uh, instead of the ultimate boon that is, potentially offered, uh, which is actually defeating Rabidash and saving Arkhamland, which happens after this. But I, I didn't feel like we had enough of the return and I could fit the other points that I wanted into the return if I picked the ultimate boon that I picked.
2: See, I thought you were going to pick find out who he really is.
0: Mm, but he, that's, that's sort of just what happens and is kind of more of an apotheosis.
2: Yeah, I just was when I was trying to think of the story. I didn't think yeah. the warning was the thing. I you I could come with the classic
0: it. Find Where You Belong.
2: Mm-hmm. And then the atonement with the Creator is him explaining all this, the apotheosis is realizing, oh, I am who Aslan says, and the ultimate boon is you know becoming part of the, the noble people of the land. But
0: Yeah. Uh but you know I am I'm inclined and maybe maybe I'll regret this and our loyal listeners can tear me to shreds for it, but at least temporarily, I'm going to set a precedent that uh, our atonement with the creators do need to precede the ultimate boon in some fashion. So while this is certainly the atonement of the creator, atonement with the creator for this book, and it's odd because this is sort of a singular contained story. I think Alex might've limited us with the journey.
2: With the apotheosis, It's not as much a realization as it is. I'm continuing to do the thing that I've been ardently doing, ardently doing uh, since we entered the the desert, right? And it's just kind of happenstance that he actually runs into the king to do it. It's. It seems like, oh, I'm going to reach the king, and most reasonable people would expect him to eventually meet someone along the way to. To show that information upon, and then gets him seen in front of the gang, yada yada. As opposed to physically having physically it happening into the king. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so I think that could be an alpatheosis in itself, right? Him realizing, oh, this is the king, not this is just some random dude in the woods. Like I should be running to the castle, because that's what Shasta's is probably thinking when he's running. Like I'm running to the castle, not I'm running to the king in the woods.
2: See, I like that better. I like that better than uh, realizing he has to run. Realizing the person that he has run into is the person he was looking for all along, I think is better.
1: I actually agree. I think that that is the more relevant point.
0: Altered point awarded.
2: Good. and then... Well done, Zach.
0: <laughs> you you have successfully earned Alex a point.
2: That's alright. For our, our ultimate boon, though, uh, delivering the warning to kind King Loon, uh is uh, certainly what he's been setting out to do in on your journey. And therefore, I think it's, uh, yeah, it, it fits. Nope, no problems here. Although, uh, if it wasn't for the other kings involved, it wouldn't have meant much in the long run.
0: Oh, we will, we will get to touch on that. Don't you worry. That's going to close us out on our initiation with a temptress missing and a new legal precedent set for all atonement with creators across every book discussion on the hero's journey for all of time which uh you know if these are the only two points we drop this is still pretty in line with a narnia book oddly enough coming into our return we go to narnia for the first time
1: yes as jack mentioned i think the refusal of the return for shasta is when he loses the king so he doesn't get to see them uh, fend off uh, prince Rabadash's attack and instead he goes into narnia traveling along a different road away from arkenland for our freedom to live we have this life that shasta now kor lives as crown prince and king free from the threats of slavery free from the threats of his former homeland living with Aslan looking over him, presumably a good relationship with Narnia and uh, marriage to Arbus. All of those things, I think, lead to the freedom to live.
2: All right. For a refusal of the return, you've talked about how it's uh, happenstance, right? He, it's not something he intends to do. It's just something that I, that happens to him, which to me makes it less of a refusal and more of a, a continuation of whether it's a trial or a continuation of the extended journey, because he still proves to be useful in other ways. Um, So it doesn't feel like him actively not wanting to do what he set out on.
1: I agree with that, but I think that because he loses a king, he doesn't get to see the, the fruits of his warning. He doesn't get to see if the king is saved or not. He only knows that he delivered the warning. And the king most likely got back to then before Rabadash because he sees both of them. But um, I still think it's a refusal because he's not, you know, witnessing what happened when he delivered that warning. He's not witnessing the win that they have.
2: Yeah, I don't like that, but it's not up to me.
0: I'm inclined to agree with Alex. It might not be the most mental refusal of the Returns, which I think when we're looking at more modern fantasy novels, we've kind of come to expect, right, the hero wants to stay in the world of the ultimate boon. But I agree with Alex, and he doesn't get to be a part of what you would expect. He gets taken to go do his own thing.
2: All right, moving on to the magical flight... For your uh, rescue from without, only reason I have even the slightest problem with it is that he gave himself his own rescue, right? It's without his own actions to get lost, to tell the talking animals, to go and tell Ken Edmund, then Ken Edmund doesn't come. And therefore, he's providing his own rescue in a in a more immediate sense than i'm used to i like the sort of oh i helped this beggar on the street at the beginning of the book for no regards to myself and now uh, the beggar ended up being the leader of a thieves guild and he's come and, and saved me at my my lowest hour but it's it's a very immediate sort of i did this thing now this thing is paying dividends for me i
0: I will say it's very rare that we follow the messenger. Normally, uh, a B character runs off, and we're followed with somebody who's on the parapet as King Edmund and the Narnians arrive. But I don't. Well, it's atypical, and therefore very atypical for because it's Narnia. I don't know if that fully undermines it.
1: And I think you know, even though Shasta is delivering the message, he's bringing them. The Narnians still have to do battle and actually win once they're there.
2: Right for your crossing of the return threshold. I don't like this because the Hermit existed as one of his road of trial pieces, right? It, it's not a very good representation of his self before the journey took place. It's more of a, a mid-journey pit stop.
1: Oh, I mean, when he's going back to the Hermit, he's also going back to Brie, Lenn, and Arbus, right? Who definitely saw him before the changes that occurred on the journey.
2: So the threshold being a return to the people as opposed to the place yeah what wisdom did he gain
1: the wisdom of the freedom of Arkanland and narnia and the wisdom that he is the crown prince
2: the first one isn't a wisdom the first one is a is a i don't know what you would call it it's not a it's not a wisdom it's just a, it's just knowing something it's the difference between knowledge and wisdom
1: how about the acceptance that Narnia gives to people along with their freedom?
2: So, yeah, I guess my primary problem with it is that while he has experienced new things and helped achieve freedom and salvation for a lot of people, he's not necessarily now, he is not the, the continued provider of this knowledge and wisdom. He has already created circumstances that now exist. And he's going back to the people and telling them about the circumstances, but their continued existence are not predicated on him. They're, they don't continue to be free because of him. They just, and, and really he played partial role in that state anyway.
1: I mean, everything you're saying is true, but I still think it, it definitely, it feels like it to me. He's returning to the group that he left with. He's sharing that, Hey, now I'm a conference prince. Now we can all go to Narnia where we're going to be free and accepted. So it just it feels like it to me. I don't know. It's it, I think it's going to have to be up to Jack.
0: Yeah, I think I'm tempted to agree with Zach. I I wish there was a after he's given this big chunk of information and a more active stepping into. I am the prince. Is there a reason we don't want to go with his fight with his brother or over who's going to be? You should be king. I'm not going to be king. You should be king.
1: I feel like. Shasta has less agency in this dis- in that discussion than in the returning to the Hermit.
2: And I would have, I think this would have been a perfect return, crossing the return threshold if his returning to those people solved an immediate problem, right? If they got left behind because horse and or girl is sick and by also returning, he has brought something to immediately cure that or whatever. But it just feels like it is, it is more of him doing an information dump to them about current state of affairs and less about him providing an immediate usefulness. And then uh, for your master of two worlds, he's more than friend to Arvis. How far into the future are we discussing this? Because uh, one of my favorite lines in the book right here, you say friend to Arvis, but they do eventually get married.
0: I know. yeah so that way they can be even better friends no they say in specifically, the sanctity of union of ass i know so that way they can argue more appropriately so they can argue more
2: friends. effectively <laughs> it's like my favorite line of the book yeah they uh he, she, he's now the crown prince and he gets the girl if that's how you want to describe it then it's pretty pretty open and shut for me his freedom to live Again, we're not going to get into the whole Aslan-Narnia freedom, but he seems like he does a pretty decent job of being king, so uh, in the little flash forward that we get.
0: Do you think that Susan's near-forced marriage to a Satan worshiper is what causes her to fall off the track to Narnia in later life?
2: I think it planted the seed, yeah, and then when she got back to, to England, she was just a slut and then didn't get to come back to heaven.
0: Well, that is going to bring us to a close on our return. <laughs> and the horse and his boy in general. Just missing that crossing of the return threshold here, even though Alex might uh, vehemently disagree with myself. I do. Uh, It's going to leave us at a final score of 14 out of 17, which is not surprising for a Narnia book, leaving Shasta slash Crown Prince Corn and eventually King Corn under uh, High, Ping, High King Peter the Magnificent. During this golden age of Narnia. As a. Certified hero. Somehow not stepping through a magic portal. For once. We come to our closing thoughts. Uh, For me. This was always sort of a weird. Narnia book. Because it. I mean it follows. People from that world. We, We miss several of the classical Narnia beats. And. As a kid, I was never sure where it fit in the order of things, a bit like Magician's Nephew. So, rereading it as an adult was a very different experience for me. I think I'd liked this one a lot more because with doing this podcast, I find myself caring about a bunch of random details uh, that I wouldn't necessarily have as a kid. So, this was just it's fun. It's always nice to be back in Narnia.
2: Yeah. And to add to that, I think it's um, interesting The Lewis wrote this for, I think, his stepsons or were they godchildren? He wrote them specifically for two boys. I remember that much. And, and they're, the, they're who the book is dedicated to if someone has the book in front of them. But so that's why I think it it's probably some children who had been reading Narnia books and then had questions or uh, were very invested in it. And I think if uh, you look at it, it's probably the inspiration for Cor and Prince, the two princes, Prince Cor and Prince Corinne, and their kind of disagreements about having fun versus rulership and stuff. I think that's probably meant to be the two boys. So um, it makes sense why. Uh, it's written the way it is and I, and I think it's good. I think it uh anytime we get to move outside of Narnia proper, I actually like it because I think it builds the world of of the other Narnia landscape.
1: I enjoyed this book as well. I think when I read it when I was younger, I didn't see the uh racist undertones with Carmeloon and then the white people being in Arkan Narnia It was much clearer now um but I try and just view it as being written in a different time. I don't think Lewis was being intentional with that. It's just what he believed at the time.
2: Not and I think. It, I think it's more less of a of a racist moment per se, and more of an otherness perspective. Right. He's just yeah. using using that as a this is different, um, which happens to be bad, as opposed to this itself is the bad part.
1: Right. I I agree. Yeah. I don't like want to condemn him or anything I just want to point out that this happens um, but I enjoy the story of Shasta and Arvis and their journey away and discovery of the new world with Narnia and Arkenland a lot I think they're both fun characters and I, I wish we had spent a little more time with Arvis I really enjoy her character and I wanted to see stuff from her perspective a little more when I was reading this uh, again as an adult
0: Thank you so much for joining us. If you love a hero's journey as much as we love doing it, you can always leave us a review wherever we get your podcasts from, or you can come hang out with us on discord. Those aren't actually mutually exclusive, but if you like book talk, we've got lots of it going on over there. As always, I've been your host and judge Jack.
1: This is Alex. And I'm Zach.
0: And join us next week when we'll be back in the world's most depressing land, whose universe name I'm forgetting with... Best Serve Cold, a follow-up story for the first law world by Joe Abercrombie.
2: Yay! Oh, thank you.
0: Is In fact, where Lion if it's from Asland or do you just become a Jesus
2: uh Where Jesus?
0: Where Jesus a man A man <laughs> Jesus